0: a podcast designed for women working in financial services and financial technology. I'm Cheryl Brown, Chief Engagement Officer at Females and Finance. I'm also an international speaker on social and digital marketing too. On the F Word, you'll meet leaders in the community as well as learn more about recruiting, training, advancing, and retaining quality female talent. Let's take a listen to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Summer's almost here. I think we're all asking ourselves if we actually had a spring. I know I've done that myself. I am excited today because Keena Newell is on the show and it's going to be a fun chat uh, and I guarantee it. She is the founder and financial educator at Wealth Over Now. Keena supports her clients in reducing stress, building wealth, gaining clarity, confidence with money. She empowers those who desire to experience life differently by helping them get control of their money, make conscious choices, and prioritize their goals. Keenan's own financial successes, failures, and desires have inspired her to want to help others. And your goals might seem like they're far off, but I promise you if you join her along with her education, she's going to actually put them back into reach for you. She partners with small businesses, colleges, universities to lead financial wellness workshops. I have actually attended a couple of her online classes, and they're magnificent. Her support provides access to hands-on money management workshops to alleviate financial stress, educate, increase productivity. This is all the good stuff that we need today. Welcome to the F Word, Kina. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: You know what? It's, hey, when, after you've been home for, I don't know, 70 days... And my spouse and I work together. We, get, we go to sleep together. We eat breakfast together. We work together. Yeah. it's Lots of yeah. together. We're there. Yeah. <laughs> it's very together. And so, I and you know we just got married in December of 2019. So, wow, what a honeymoon we got. It just keeps going on forever and ever. Like there's no end to it. That just so, means you're going to
1: have a phenomenal, solid foundation for you. I marriage. hope
0: so, because I say if it rains on your wedding day, no one said if there's a pandemic during your honeymoon, <laughs> but hey, here we are, you know? No, Daryl's actually, he's, he's great, and, and it's funny because the way we sort of divided the house, at least, he goes to the other side of the house, and he's like, are you talking today? And I'm like, do you know what I do for a living? And he's like, <laughs> I'll go to the other side. I'm like, you do that. You do that. You go to the other side. So I just laugh. You all go the time. to your
1: quarters. He
0: does. He goes to his end of the house, and I come to mine. And I don't know. I laugh because he'll go in there, and we have a pretty sweet setup on the social media station in the living room. And he's all set up in there, laid back in the lazy boy, working. He's got his little thing going. I'm like, hold up! I think I got the raw end of the stick on that one. So, <laughs> so it's all good. You know, I feel really proud to say that I've known you since the beginning of Wealth Over Now. You
1: have. And it's oh. I'm actually trying to remember. Did someone? I'm trying to remember if I like stalked you or did Sonia introduce? Sonya that's exactly what happened. Yeah, on LinkedIn. um, Back when I was like, whatever. I mean, I'm just gonna message as many people as I can on LinkedIn and see who will talk to me. I mean, I have nothing to lose.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh! Well, then Sonia must have heard you say that because she's like, sure we'll talk. She she knows no stranger. So I do, I, and you have such a financial brand today. So my little marketing heart is so warm. Every time I see you, you're on brand, you're on point, you're out there doing, I just, I do, I sit back like a proud mom and go, look at her. Thank you. Her. I'm so oh, gosh. So yeah. I want to talk about your financial coaching, but first what I want to hear is the backstory of how you got into, uh, starting Wealth Over Now. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: That. Um, well, We're actually, we both spent time in St. Louis. I lived there for a little bit. Um, It's actually where I started my career as a teacher. And I was $75,000 worth in debt from student loans and making what, like $33,000 a year. And personally feeling overwhelmed with like, how am I gonna accomplish buying a home, saving money? All these things that I'd heard are like things that you do as an adult. And I started having money dates with myself and really getting serious about my own financial goals, knowing that there were things that I wanted to achieve. And along the way, I also have like money conversations with friends, like my friends joke that they can't ever talk to me without me bringing up money, which is really true. <laughs> I find some way to weave it into every conversation.
0: You know Um, what? If we can hear about all of their (laughs) things that they do, like if they're a vet and all the animals or if they work in a whatever kind of office and they talk about it, we can talk about money. You're good. I'm giving you permission.
1: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I actually, I was in education for a number of years and then really got to a place about two years ago where I was like, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? What excites me? And, um, helping people really see the possibility with what they can do with their finances. Having had my own journey of like buying a home and paying off my student loan debt, wanting to help peers. And I would say like, especially women be in a place where they're like confident about their finances without everything being like perfect. Um, I posted recently on social media that you can hold the belief that I know how to manage money while still being in debt and still learning how to save because it's really about a mindset shift. And so that's the work that I really enjoy doing with clients um, because what is it? There's this statistic that like 61% of women would rather talk about their own death than talk about money. Yeah.
0: I also want to say something too about that because you, you mentioned something that just hit home and I actually wrote the word down, judgy. People are very judgy, especially around women and their money. Mm-hmm. I find that really interesting. And I don't know, do you know Deja Kennedy? I don't. Okay, so she owns Broke Black Girl here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And I love watching what she's built, which is very unbelievable. I highly recommend people also go out and follow some of the work that she's doing. But, you know, when Daisha and I had a conversation last year, because we're both in the Lou, and I had said to her, you know, we were talking about this idea. And what she did was she reached out to me and said, You are working, uh, you need to take a break you have, you know, she's all, you know, she's out there watching me with the same kind of thing. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting in her conversation, you've talked about this, the same thing. And that is how people are judgy about people with their money. An example of what I mean by that to qualify it. And you can talk to that point is that if a woman saves money, well, you got to invest it or you got to, or you got to do this, you got to do that. So it's like, as soon as you save it, people are shaming you. If you spend it, Oh, you're going to end up a bag lady, a cat lady, you're not going to have anything. So it's like, if we spend it or we save it, we're shamed. If we go out and do anything for ourselves, nails, it coffees, the whole, we've heard all the gamuts of stories. There's a judgment behind the money. And I find that really fascinating that it's all, it, there's a lot, you know, and guys, you know, I love you. I tell you just because I save the dolphins doesn't mean kill the whales. It means that this is a real problem that we have with the stigma of behavior. And so I love so much about what you do, Kina, is that you say to people, um, you don't have to feel bad about the debt that you've acquired. We're going to get you out of it, but there's no shame in the game. I mean- that doesn't help, so talk a little bit about behavioral parts of it, because you do talk a lot about that I'd say even more than some of the financial educators that I know out there.
1: Yeah, I think for me it's even just like thinking about my own journey in um, gosh, who was I It was another Sonia that I was talking to when you know when I was messaging all these people on LinkedIn, and I connected with her. She lives in the DMV um, area as well, and she's a financial educator and I had told her I only need to replace my salary like that was my goal when I first started my business um and I read uh you're a badass at making money and I realized that like it was so funny because when I read you're a badass at making money I was thinking I don't have any money issues (laughs) but as I was like and then when I said I don't have money issues, it's like I I didn't feel like I had like a scarcity mindset or anything in terms of like when it came to like my debt or savings, like in really thinking about my personal finances. But the more that I um, was reading the book, I realized like I do have like these uh, money stories that I tell myself and mine predominantly was like money is evil. And um, if you have money, like you're a bad person kind of thing. And digging deep into that, One, I realized that like one story was definitely coming from childhood because my parents are very much like, um, I saw them giving money away all the time to help other people, which I value. And, but also I would say my parents are very modest people, if you will. And they kind of taught us like, you don't need to make a lot of money to have a good life. Um, so for me, it was like, well, I don't need to make a lot of money to have a good life or I don't, I don't just need to replace my salary. And, um, I just realized like that was like my own money block. And so I think it's made me want to explore what are money blocks with my clients. Like it may not, if you're a business owner, it could be around like how much you think you should charge people or, or what you think people can afford and what they can pay. And I think in our personal finances, it comes up in like this, like I don't trust myself with money because I've done something in the past, or like maybe you grew up in a family where, you know, you were on food stamps and your parents were wondering like, where was the next meal going to come from? And so for that reason, you can't, you don't think that you can have money that like sits in the savings account or even just sits in your account to pay your bills because there's like something with this like scarcity. If it's here, it could just disappear. Um, And so I've really just enjoyed like one working with myself on my money mindset, but like really listening to people and listening to clients and the things that like they're saying and how that their thoughts inform their actions Um, and wanting to help them shift. Like, how do you actually desire to feel about your money? And if you desire that feeling, what do you need to embody as a belief?
0: I really enjoy that, hearing that because I think that that money block conversation. I think a lot of financial professionals need to talk about it intrinsically for themselves. I think that they need to to do sort of a deep dive because I'll tell you, uh, one of the things that you hit me and it. I mean, I really just got shook for a sec. Was you know you think? I came from a family where it was you don't need to to money to be happy. That narrative creates a, t- uh, a tape that mm-hmm. rolls over and over and over in your brain again. And rewiring that can be extremely difficult. And I think it even gets harder as you get older because it's been so set in stone. And I think it's one of the things that we need individuals such as yourself from a coaching perspective to coach us out of, okay, so you had did this. Why did you not charge enough for this? Or you're not charging enough for that? Or why there's a fear of I'm not worth that money.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think, uh, I've heard that conversation happen a lot. So I think that that's uh, really, I Especially think that's in the
1: small business arena. Yeah. Like I have a friend that I met on the internet. Like I feel like Instagram is Tinder for business owners. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, there's a girl that we were talking back and forth and I like, when talking to her, she has so much value. She's a leadership coach. And she was telling me about, I I don't even remember how much she's like charging these people in her membership community. And I was like, listen, girl, if you don't go raise your prices and like, tell me you did it in a week, then we're going to have an issue. Like, and I feel like we all need that champion and that cheerleader in our corner, because sometimes we just, we just don't see the value and not value as a person, but value that you provide in whatever service that you bring to someone else. Um, and one of the questions I asked her was like, you know, how would you, she was said that she eventually wanted to get to charging like $25,000 for a mastermind. I was like, cool. How would you show up as a person? If like you believed that like people will pay me $25,000 for a mastermind. Right. And so she wrote this entire manifesto that was just like beautiful, but I think we need, we need to continue to explore that. And like, I have found um, so much power in just like asking and answering questions for yourself, yeah. right? Like, how would I show up if I was a six-figure owner? How would I show up if I, you know, told a client that I'm charging them $5,000 for a one-day intensive or whatever that may be yeah. and look like for you and your business? Um, and yeah, I just, it's amazing just kind of what it opens up for you.
0: Yeah, and I love that. And working it backwards kind of a thing. Like if this is the day that you made it, what does it look like step by step to get there? And I don't think people do that. I also will tell you one other thing that I think is true around this topic is boundaries. You know, I think that women are overwhelmingly poor at boundaries at setting up the boundaries of the people because, you know, this was a conversation that happened in females in finance very recently which was about can I pick your brain? Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, I got mad respect for Sonia Dreiser because she was stepped right in. And she says, I'm going to just set this record straight right now. I give you one hour or whatever it is that she has on her website. You go there, you show up during office hours, and that's it. Don't go make time on my calendar for I want to run this idea past you. And I don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. And she was very firm. But very fair because she said, This is my boundaries. And I was talking to uh Nicole Lewis Kieber too, and she said, you know, about boundaries. And she's a business therapist and she said, you know, people are not teaching enough about the the challenges of creating the, the boundary and respecting the boundary, honoring the boundary.
1: Mm-hmm. You think and I that's think
0: true. Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say, I think I think you probably are along that same line because that's what you're yeah. telling them.
1: And I think it's also sometimes it's, like, women, like, thinking about societal norms where, like, the caregiver and the helper, right? And that carries over into business. And it's, like, no, look, come sit beside me. That's a dollar sign beside that, that thing that you're doing, right? And not to say that, like, I definitely have a philanthropic, like, part of my business in which, like, no, I'm not going to charge for everything that I do. Yeah, but. Way but needing to you know like understanding it and knowing why and when you do something because sometimes we could have gone a month or a year or 6 months whatever that is and you look back and you're like wow I gave so much of my time away and it wasn't I wasn't being intentional about it. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so like you like Sonia was saying and you're saying it's the boundaries like I do virtual coffee chats one day a week. It's on my calendar, here's the link. Yeah. You know. And it helps helps me function in other parts of my business and in my life because I do have those boundaries.
0: Yeah. And I think that, I hope everybody hears that part of the message because it helps you set the boundary today, helps you create all the open time tomorrow so that you're not, and you don't have to feel guilty. Let that, Mm -hmm. let that go. You know, you just move on. I know that there's some topics I want to ask you about that you have a lot of expertise and I want you to give some opinions on. Uh, you've uh, had some wonderful conversations in your group and on your Instagram. So you're ready? I'm going to hit you. Debt. How overextended are Americans today?
1: Man, um,
0: too your opinion much.
1: And yeah. I would just say like, I would even say... Like debt may not even be in the credit card realm mm-hmm. and like student loans and mortgage, like I mean, I have a mortgage, it is what it is, but when i like i'm working I'm working with a client right now, and we've had to have the hard conversation that I'm like, you're living like well above your means, like when you look at how much you're paying for your mortgage, and then you have a condo fee, and then you have this and that, and like if you lost your job tomorrow, it's going to be really hard for you to maintain your like essential living expenses, because there's not a lot that you can like cut back on. You're not doing frivolous things in other areas of your life. You just didn't necessarily have the foresight to see how this like all played into the big picture. Um, So I think a lot of Americans are definitely overextended because they're not thinking about what is the role in the big picture. I agree. If I lose my job. Um, because we have this, like, um, a consumption problem, an overconsumption problem, and we see it in, I see it in clients, I saw it in myself too, is, like, it doesn't matter how much money you make, um, when it comes to learning how to manage your finances, because it's a set of habits that underline the money management, and until you get control of that, you're always going to be in this place of, like, overconsumption.
0: Yeah, it's cyclical. It just keeps yeah. eating on the tail of itself as you're going around and around. And I agree with that and I love the fact that you uh sort of categorized it more as a consumption issue because you know, it's it's just living way above your means. I mm-hmm. mean, it's and, and I think that is a, a mental problem too where people they get their paycheck, they pay their bills. They mm-hmm. pay their bills. And then they get their nails done or they get their whatever and they do. And then there's nothing left until the next paycheck. And so cyclically, they are keeping up. But as Mm -hmm. you just mentioned, one of the things that I know that Daryl and I discussed when pandemic came and they were talking about lock, you know, quarantine and stuff, we realized we have an office we're still going to have to pay for even though we're not going. We still had all these Mm -hmm. things, but we were prepared like we had reserves put away some people like to call it a nest egg or whatever we had reserves in place if there were ever an emergency and even for us who we've been sitting here quite frankly pretty well i mean groceries get delivered we're not really doing a whole lot uh crazy we have some things that are definitely luxurious that are Mm -hmm. coming to the home and can we live like that forever no have we decided we might like to live like that forever Yes. I'm being perfectly honest. We're like, yeah, oh, I like this delivery business, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so we're building things around that so that that's the key. Can, that's it. It's the, yeah. like you just said, it's like we're over consuming those services right now. However, we're building it into our budget now that we like that particular. So what are we taking away or moving around or doing differently? And I think that's the mindset that you teach people in the classes and the work that you do, because I've sat back and just sort of observed um, how you do that. And I think it's great. Um, How about men or women? Who's the spender or saver as you work with clients?
1: Well, you know, I work with mainly women. I feel like I have a small, small handful of men. Um, I don't have a definitive opinion about that. I love it. Because even, even within, you know, even with that, within that space, I'm like, it just depends
0: on the person. <laughs> it does.
1: It <laughs> um, truly does. And I would say like on either end of it, I would say why, right? Like, because yeah. I think you can save out of fear, mm-hmm. which isn't healthy. Um, and I think you can overspend, which, you know, also isn't healthy, but yeah, I. I don't have a firm opinion on that.
0: Either. No, and that's good. I think that it is an independent, <laughs> but I think there are some stereotypes of what they think. They, they, they think who is the spender. I feel like they would the say women,
1: women are spenders. And oh, men yeah. Save. yeah. Like, mm, I can show you some, some people that don't fit that <laughs> profile.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that there, there's a lot of people on this call, a lot of financial professionals are going, I agree, I agree. Yeah,
1: and I actually categorize myself as a spender. Mm-hmm. I know how to save and I do save, but I love nice things. Mm -hmm. And so like, I'm not even a part of the generation um, of like, you can't have a latte. That latte is making you broke. Yeah, Um, I saw something on social media. Maybe it was the financial diet. That's like, according to everyone right now, like the professionals, we should all be billionaires because we're not buying the latte.
0: So yeah, I I know I I have David Bach's book right here because it got so much heat about the latte factor about don't Mm -hmm. buy the latte. And then Sally Krawcheck said, go buy the effing latte.
1: Well, I mean, I worked with a client. um, She was a teacher Mm -hmm. and she was buying coffee. She definitely spent a lot of money buying coffee. And one of the things I like to do with clients is like, we get to the root of like values and goals and Mm -hmm. that's how we decide on how they'll spend their, um, how they want to desire to spend their money. And so I talked to her about like, tell me about buying coffee and like spending money out and about. And for her, it was like, almost like this is the time that I get to be taken care of as a teacher, because I I was a teacher and a vice principal. And when you enter the doors of a school building, which we're not doing right now, but in the past, when (laughs) you enter those doors, it's like all about the kids that are in front of you or in the vice principal role. It's all about your, like your teachers and your staff and families. And so it was like the time in which she could like do something for herself. Mm-hmm. So we shifted it a little bit. And I think she ended up going down to like on Fridays, I want that to be my like special day. Mm-hmm. Other days of the week, I will like go ahead and make coffee at home. But she was able to make those um, trade-offs and those shifts because it was also in alignment with, okay, I want to be traveling more and I want to save money for mm-hmm. a home. So she saw greater value in being able to put her money in different places. It's not. Yeah because somebody was shaking their finger at her and yeah, saying like, the judgy go finger the going, shop. yeah you can't
0: do this. Yep. Yeah. I well, love, yeah. And so I agree a hundred percent agree. So yep. it's just going to be about how you're focused on it. How about, I know you touched a little bit on student loan debt earlier, but, just what are Americans looking at today when it comes to actually paying this down and ultimately off? And do you think we're gonna be, because as you mentioned, some people have some vast amounts of student loan debt. And do you think we're gonna be able to do it or can we actually do it without governmental intervention? Because I know there's a lot of talk out there where people are like, oh, the government needs to come in, just wipe the slate clean. And then there's a lot of people who paid theirs off, i.e. like me. And they're looking at that going, no, 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 no. I think there's a, I made a conscious decision to go to St. Louis University. I have to pay that debt off. My husband is a (laughs) medical professional. He went to St. Louis University. We are still paying his debt off. Although I want to say we are down to the last $10,000 and it is very exciting. I know you have no idea. Like when we went under 10, I know we were like doing the happy dance in the house, (laughs) but um, you know, he was, uh, he was, he was a medical professional for 25 years and he just thought that's what comes along with it. So just curious, when you look at this actually paying it down, what are your thoughts around student loan debt today with people? Can they pay it off?
1: For some people, I feel like it's so debilitating. Um, Because like even hearing you talk about your husband, I don't know what his like salary was when he was working, like in the medical within the medical space for those 25 years. But it's like, that alignment of does my salary actually allow for me to pay off $300,000 worth of exactly. debt? Like I went to law school and I went to undergrad, not me personally, but like a person, <laughs> I went to law school and undergrad and now I have $300,000 worth of debt, but I'm making $60,000 a year. Yeah. Like there's an alignment issue. Like you have a mortgage payment essentially, right? But oh, you don't yeah. have a house. Um, and I, I mean, I had my debt and I, I did pay it off. I, it felt Feasible for me, but I also think coming back to the mindset piece Um, I just was kind of like okay sally and I are dating. Um, we're gonna be together for a little bit I'm gonna overpay her a little bit um, and then she was gone But that one's challenging for me because I I think that like some americans really do need assistance in Getting it paid off, but I and I think the reason they need the assistance is because there's a lack of education on
0: hundred percent. I agree with on you. the
1: beginning side mm-hmm. of it. Right. Like my, I was a first generation college graduate. My parents didn't really know the impact of student loans and they are people that are good with money, if you will. Um, and so at 18, I took out student loans. Not, I was thinking you wouldn't give me student loans if I couldn't afford to pay these back. Right. Like that would be rude. <laughs> um, Yeah, so I I would love to see, like, people have, the government to have some type of intervention to give people, like, hope of some sort.
0: I I I, I agree.
1: Yeah, I got some type of, um, because I did teach for a little bit, I got some relief. I mean, it wasn't much, like, not much to write home about, but I feel like it, I knew that there was some incentive at the end of the day, too, and staying within education, so.
0: I think this is where, so like in females in finance, we have a woman, her name's Priscilla O'Neill and she owns Summit Scholars. And I know that she works with financial advisors and educators. And what she does is she does exactly what you're saying. She sits down with the family alongside the professional and says, that's great. Your child wants to go to school. Let's let's look at the big picture of what you're talking about, what they're going to make. How long it's gonna to take to pay it off? And is this really the route that you wanna go? Not to deter them from going down that path, but it allows financial educators and planners to set up budgets and things that they need. So they say, okay, we're doing this, this is great, but we're not going to put little you know, Molly or, or little Matt into a program where they're gonna to to be paying like maybe Daryl or someone else for 20 years. It's, yeah. we're going to make this much more and help them be more manageable. And I do think that from a governmental intervention part with the student loan, I think there needs to be a cap on a few things. Like, really, how much better is an, an English 101 class at a community college versus a university versus a, I think there needs to be some, something specified, sort of a cap between what you can charge to the mm-hmm. bottom. Well, and I, I think, think that's yeah. missing. I think it's
1: interesting, I was just talking to my mom about this, um, the space that we're getting ready to enter, because like how many colleges are going to be reopening this fall oh, yeah. with the experience that I think a number of us have, like living on campus, like that was part of the reason I feel like I paid for college yeah. as well, is because like,
0: that was the same for my husband. I, who was yeah,
1: I was living, you know, on the college campus, I'm an adult <laughs> in an overpriced dorm, um, But now, like, I think about, like, you are potentially going to be taking all online classes. And I'm just wondering, like, what's the conversation with that? I'm like, well, if I'm taking a class online, why wouldn't I just take the community college? Yeah,
0: that's the way I look at it, too. And it's so funny. You were talking earlier about the mindset thing. I remember when it was time for me to go to school and my father said, you're not staying on campus. You're coming home. There's no reason. So here I am trucking all the way from you know, out in the boonies of St. Louis into the city and then doing class to come home and then do like mountains of homework. And, you know, it was, would have been much easier if I had been down and closer because I'm I'm spending more than an hour and a half, almost two hours commuting every day to do that. And so he, um, but it was, it goes back to that. We were going to because to be happy you don't have to spend money kind of thing. <laughs> right. It's true, right? It yeah. totally leaks in. Whereas my my husband had the full college experience where he was staying on dorm and he or on in a dorm with his and actually he's still very good friends, actually best friends with several of his roommates from college. So it's a, a different experience. But he traded that off for the cost. But he also was super smart and got a few a few little money here I joke Um,
1: I joke with my college friends I'm like you guys are the best $75,000 I've ever spent you're expensive but I really (laughs) appreciate you um because I I did I went to a small little private school and I like we don't always talk all the time but like if you need anything like there's a community in which you can reach out to it was an expensive community but you know I'll say that it was a return on investment. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah,
0: we'll, we'll call it that, right? How about with the COVID-19, what does financial recovery look like for most people post-pandemic?
1: Because that's, that's right.
0: what I'm concerned about is the folks that have been living off of credit cards and living off of, because they've either been furloughed or they just were ill-prepared for, from a nest egg perspective, et cetera. What do you think that's going to look like? Um,
1: what I want it to look like is mm-hmm. even those people that are with that have job loss or income loss is still taking stake of what are you spending your fine? Where's your money going? Right? Like even if you're charging things on credit card, um, what are you charging on your credit card? Right. What are your expenses? Because if a job opened up tomorrow and you're actively looking for a role to pay your living expenses, like your essential expenses, mm-hmm. how much do you need? Right. And a lot of people don't know the number, um, and I think for people to recover in that space, like whenever this ends, and I don't know when that is, is I think that they, you can't keep your head in the sand right now and just be like, "Well, we don't have any income coming in, so we're just going to charge everything." Yeah. Right. But just like think, still thinking about what those numbers are, even if someone were to give you um, access to money. Like I'm thinking about small business owners and you have your SBA loans and, um, like PPP and those things that are coming for business owners. Well, some of them, depending on, you know, how that rolled out, but still having a firm handle of what your numbers look like. If you have the opportunity to draw unemployment, knowing what that money can be going towards, because it comes back to like that relationship with money and what you choose to spend it on. And thinking about the emotions that are coming up for people right now it's like I can see people buying things because you're trying to fix a feeling that you're having right now right and like this time is very stressful um even for myself like luckily I still do have income coming in but thinking about I have had to monitor myself you were talking about getting groceries delivered like that's my like weekly activity but I have to (laughs) even have a near conversation with myself like Yeah, you do get to get groceries ordered, but you can't just, like, do that every day because you're bored, and you think that, like, well, I have to eat, so it's, this is not a bad, bad thing. I'm spending money on groceries. It's okay.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, we still have to go in, and it's funny because we have two different ones. We have ones that's a meal delivery that I make because I like to cook. Yeah, you're HelloFresh, right? Yeah, I'm a Mm -hmm. HelloFresh girl, and I do, um... And yeah, if anybody follows me on the Instagram, they always get to see all the delicious meals. But they make it very easy. It comes in a bag. You literally open the bag and inside the bag is everything you need. Yeah. And then, uh, but, you know, the when we looked at the actual cost of what we were eating out and what we were doing now, one of the decisions that we made as a couple, though, was after, like when people can go back. Uh, two reasons. One, I don't know if we necessarily want to go sit in restaurants very close to people and eat. So it finally gives us that permission of you are coughing and I don't want to be around you. Because yeah. I think before we used to kind of just put up with it. Let's just be honest. We were kind of like politely going, mm. And now it's like, I don't even want to be there. So we're just going to continue to eat home. But the other one is that we also had all of our vegetables and fruits delivered by Imperfect Foods. And Mm -hmm. that one had a little bit more social connection to it for me, which made me feel good. But we actually sat down and said, when this is all over, we're probably not going to go back to eating out. So buying meal delivery and having fruits and vegetables things like that delivered to the house is extremely affordable at that point because Mm -hmm. we're not eating out as a you know basically two people a lot of people tend to eat out when they're just a couple Mm -hmm. and I'm like no I'm gonna keep cooking I think Mm -hmm. I like I like to do it number one thank goodness and Daryl's like and I like that you like to cook and uh and he's a very good cleaner upper so we got a good (laughs) team thing going on there but seriously, I mean, that was for us post pandemic. It's like, we're going to continue to do this. We're going to make it affordable for us. We enjoy it. And we're just going to give up other things, which mm-hmm. are, we're not going to go out to eat two or you know three nights a week. We don't even need to.
1: But it's oh. a part of like, I had this conversation yesterday because a client was telling me, well, yeah, this, I mean, this works right now because we're like in the pandemic, yeah. but I don't know if I can do this like on the other side of this. And I said, well, you know, do you feel like you can be in control of how you spend your money? And she's like, thinking, <laughs> like, I'm, and you know, I want her to be like, yes, I can, I can, I can. But um, I had to like, even show her how already she's like making decisions yeah. that, that, um, like I said, you could be eating out this entire time during the pandemic. You can have Uber Eats, you can do all those things, but you've made a conscious decision To buy groceries. Um, Like she still has, I think, gone to Starbucks maybe like on the weekend or something like that. But I'm like, you've made those choices. So now let's plan for what that looks like. And you're talking about that, right? You and Daryl are planning. And for me, it's a part, it goes into that conversation of mindset. Once again, like I'm in control of my finances Mm -hmm. and your finances don't have to happen to you. You can be in control of them and you can make the decision. Like that's within all of our
0: power yeah you know I got to ask you this next question is you can ever write a book
1: oh gosh I don't know
0: better write I a haven't book. thought about it I need to write a book <laughs> I don't like oh. hey I'm gonna be honest I don't so I, I get a lot of books people mail them to me I know a lot of authors and stuff but I just like the way you deliver messages you're very real with people and I think that you need to I think you need to put that in your to-do
1: well, thank you. My dad told me the same thing, but it means a little bit more coming from you because coming from my dad, it's like,
0: I, well, and- okay. So I totally can appreciate that because <laughs> <laughs> like your parents are always like this, like they, they describe you, like somehow you you're walking around with Oscars, you know, yeah. them, and you're- <laughs> because they, they just love you so much. But no, yeah. I, I, I'm i massively impressed with what you've created in such a short amount of time. I'm just, like I told you, proud mama moments all the time. Well, I said, thank
1: I you. I, I am so appreciative of your um, support along the way. I think about so many of the conversations that I've had with people, like I said, from stalking them on LinkedIn. <laughs> and um, it ne- there's like never a day that goes by that I'm like, unappreciative of like I said, those beginning conversations when I'm like, hey, guys, look, I'm building something and I don't think you ever made me feel like what is in front of me now wasn't possible. So thank you.
0: You got this. <laughs> so how about this? I always like to wrap with something, uh, I, what I call actionable education. Mm-hmm. So what you know, with everybody listening who's a financial service professional that you're talking to, maybe what's one thing that you could impart to them that they can help grow themselves through this conversation? Meaning, what kind of advice would you give another financial service professional today that they could take and immediately act on like a thing? Click off of this podcast. They can do this next best thing, this next right thing.
1: Um, I hope this doesn't sound too woo-woo, but I would say like, take the time to daily think about the clients that you serve and how can you help show them what's possible.
0: I love that. That wasn't too woo woo. That was
1: (laughs) right on the mark. It's like not about reading another book, but like, those are the people that are helping you pay your bills. Right. And so how do you serve those people in front of you? Um, In whatever space that you exist in, like I know myself, like I love being connected to people that educate me and support me, and like especially when I'm like paying for a service, um, and I love to feel taken care of, and so that's one of the things that I like strive to do in my business. Is like, okay, you're the clients that are in front of me. How do I help them more than I already am? What can I be doing? How can I be showing them what's possible and holding a vision that's larger than even what they think? is um attainable at the time.
0: I love that. So you know, I don't know if you've listened to my podcast. I always ask my guests three fun questions that you don't get ahead of time that you gotta answer. (laughs) Okay. They, They know you a little better. You ready? I am ready. This is how I wrap up. I love it. All right. So the first question is what small stuff do you always sweat? And I have to answer the questions too. So what's something small that you sweat every time? I
1: would say like, did I do it right? you know, like wanting to, was this caption the one, was this newsletter, like what, like the details of of things that in the end, I feel like they don't really matter if it's coming from um, a place of authenticity.
0: So I mean, it'd be even smaller than you. (laughs) Okay. That was like meaningful. (laughs) Me. The small stuff that I sweat is a legitimate argument that I had with Daryl one time about. Could you please, if you're going to get into the bed, can you just please pull the covers all the way down? Like, why do you only do your side? How come I need to just <laughs> go over to the other side? And he's looking at me like, "Okay, you crazy lady, what's going on with you?" And I'm like, "Oh, I mean, I
1: definitely have stuff like that. Like, there's there's a proper way to load the dishwasher. There's a oh, proper way to." I'm high fiving you from the loop.
0: yes. <laughs> Yes, there is. There is a proper way to put the milk into the refrigerator. It goes a certain way.
1: Mm-hmm. The refrigerator should be organized in a certain way. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yes. Oh my yes. Gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh, we could live together. It would be all right. Because yes, I do get like really small about some yeah. stuff. How about what is the most heartwarming thing you've ever seen? So I'll tell mine real quick. Yeah. Uh, we, to- <laughs> we broke quarantine. No, because it just happened. And okay. I think, oh, you know, and I've had some things really nice happen, you know, with, you know, my mom passed when I was little and people who did things for us. And it was wonderful. But we broke quarantine on Mother's Day with just our immediate family and my grandkids as I had not seen them. My d- grandchildren are my life. You see me mm-hmm. post about them I know. There's,
1: there's one with this red hair that I'm in love
0: with. Oh, Xander. He was oh. just here for two days and he's just, <laughs> abada, 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 abada. he's into that age. And so um, my granddaughter, Avery, is four. And she's very uh, articulate and she's very, you know, so she, uh, I had gone over to the house to let her know she was coming over on Mother's Day because I had to take something out to my son's house. And she walks, I walked in and she says, where is my papa Daryl? And I said, oh, he's still at home. And she got tears and they started just big fat tears rolling down her face. And she says, but I love him. Where did he go? And she didn't understand the pandemic. And I got very emotional. I'm like, oh, honey, you know, I said, we're here. And I know it's been a long time. Well, the next day they came and she runs through the door straight into the arms of Daryl. And he picked her scooped her up. And her little hand, you could see him patting her on her. She was patting him on his shoulder. He was like, I miss you. And she's like, I love you, Papa Dara," And she's patting him. Like, they learned that. And I was sitting there in the kitchen, and I looked at her like, I'm done. Like, this is it. If, you're, if I'm going to die, can it be just right now? Because I'm so happy and joy-filled. Oh, my goodness. I know. I was watching this going, <laughs> Oh my gosh. So yeah, it's the little things like that, that I see with little children. that I can just,
1: feel that emotion all the way in my body. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They just don't understand. And you can't describe like, well, there was this virus. Like they have no idea. Yeah. You know, they're my just neighbor like, calls
1: it a Myrus. It's not a virus. It's a virus. It's a virus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what's something heartwarming that you've seen?
1: Gosh, you know, that makes me, so I went back to St. Louis, maybe two years ago to mm-hmm. connect with students that I taught when they were in sixth and seventh grade. Okay. And I like message one girl that I like still keep in touch with to say like, when do you like, I'm going to do a dinner. We're going to go to this location, tell whoever, you know. Um, and one little boy, he brought me flowers and a card. And I literally, I, I'm not a crier, but I could have sobbed because I went into education to truly like teach my kids what was possible. Because um, I never thought I was going to be a teacher, but in that role, like I wanted them to become like lifelong learners and not in the traditional sense of like I gotta go to college and like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, he like wrote me a card, which I know I have in my house right now. But it was like just like thank you, Miss Newell, for all that you did for me. And I just like hadn't talked to him in years. One, he came to dinner. Two, he brought me flowers in a card, and I was like, oh, this is just beautiful, <laughs> <It> <laughs> um, is. so, yeah, like, I love it, it's, it's, and when you're in the classroom with kids, you, there's days in which you're frustrated, I would imagine it's, like, raising children, too, um, and so, like, they, I do, I do truly, like, any kid that I've taught, like, they're my babies, um, so, anytime they circle back, uh, to me and tell me about, like, what's happening, or I get to talk to one of them, it definitely, it warms my heart, because, it's like the connection that I wanted to have with
0: him. Yeah, no, I think that's really great. And how about this? So, what gets you fired up? Anything? What's like? Yeah, um, your business gets you fired up. I'm my be business.
1: I really. It's I love my, say, my business. You too. Um, <laughs> I would say beyond that, like traveling and exploring new things. I am like. What is traveling? At, I know. I'm, I. I'm like. I'm hurting right now because yeah, I'm like. I want to go on like. A really great hike and all of our trails are closed like that would just bring me so much joy um, but yeah I would say like nature gets me like really excited and fired up and um, well, God in- love you that yeah. you love
0: it because I if you say nature to me I'm like okay Motel 6 is camping oh I no no just- I didn't
1: say camping no okay no camping.
0: No. just going outside okay yes, then we're still on yes. the same page yeah <laughs> It's very stressful to me. We did that two years ago. And I and the true story behind that is is we went Daryl set us up to go ziplining and I'm terrified. Like I'm literally terrified. And I told the instructor, Daryl's walking ahead and he's got all his gear on and everything. And I grabbed that instructor and said, Do you see that man? I love him. You make me look good. I have to look like I am totally relaxed. I'm not gonna stop myself. I'm not doing any of that stuff. And you're catching me. Are we clear on this? And the guy's like. I got you, you know, so I did, I got up there and I thought, if this man does not marry me, I will come and haunt him every day of his life. As I jump (laughs) off this little E string and go across. Yeah. And he did, but I did tell him years later, I was like, just so you know, I did this for you. And he's like, I knew you were super uncomfortable.
1: (laughs) No, we we can totally, we can do outdoors together. We can travel.
0: Um, and yeah. then go back to a nice hotel or something. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's, yeah. yeah, see, I'm good like that. Exactly. You get a little sweat in and then you go back and you clean up and then you sit down and have beautiful food or something like that. Yeah. Yes. I'm all about that. <laughs> we can do that with no problem. And I would say the same with you as far as like the fired up part is my business. I get up every day excited to talk to the women and Females in Finance and what we're doing, checking in with you. Like every once in a while, I'll just send you a little message and say, hey, I'm thinking about you, you know. Uh, that to me is what makes every day just wonderful. So mm-hmm. you're part of my wonder every day. So I appreciate you so much.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you.
0: I will be certain that we provide all the links to reach out and connect with you and all the great places and spaces that you are. You are such an amazing financial asset to not just our community, females of Finance, but the community at large, of the people that you help. And I hope you know I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful you made this decision to impart this wisdom and your talent, your expertise into the community, and ultimately your heart. You're just such a really good person, Gina. I appreciate you. Thank
1: you. I appreciate
0: it. Absolutely. For all the listeners, thank you for listening to today's episode of The F Word. You can learn more about today's guest and the topics we covered by visiting the links that we're going to provide on the episode page. And if you love today's podcast, because, you know you know you did. <laughs> I want you to subscribe. Don't keep it a secret. Share it. Put the hashtag females and finance in your post so that we may engage with you as well. And we always want you to remember the effort. It's where females and finance are not dirty words. Thank you everyone for listening.